So I welcome you for this class of the Romans. And we continue in the book of Romans. You will turn with me into the book of Romans, chapter 1. We continue. And before <coughs> the music is loud, but we have a special microphone, so I think it will be good. Uh, so if you hear some music at the background, please forgive us. Also, you forgive us. We are not responsible for this music. But this is a great place we can meet in, so we do it here. So God, bless this time. Lead us in your word. Shine your light on it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Romans chapter 1. Uh, lastly, we, we spoke from the verse 9. We touched a little bit uh, verse 10. And now we are coming to the verse 11. <clears throat> so Paul is here praying for the church. And what he says here. I long to see you. I have a desire to see you. Speaking to the people in Rome, to the church in Rome. And he says that I, I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. And to the end you may be established. This is beautiful. Paul is saying here, I want to give you something. You know, I want to see you because I want to give you something. He doesn't say, I want to see you because I need something from you. He doesn't say, I need to see you because I want to take something from you. He says, I want to come and give you something. This is really amazing understanding of a spiritual authority. Paul coming here to the Romans, uh, <coughs> we teaching somebody, uh, leading our families, teaching our children, uh, leading, leading Christian groups, leading the church. The authority is there to give, not to take. That's the main purpose. And what, what it does he speak about here? He speaks about uh, giving <coughs> something uh, spiritual, spiritual gift. Uh, he doesn't want to give something natural, some uh, something out of his own experience, uh, but really something spiritual. This is this is the foundation of our fellowship. This is why we gather. You know the natural things, just to say simply. You can get in and speak about cars. You can have a group of guys who speak about chess, uh, shah club, right? It's all natural. It's nice. I, it's nothing wrong about it, but it's all natural. But what we do is something more. It's spiritual. You know, this word, uh, God's presence here and our fellowship, it's reaching our human being is reaching our human soul and our spirit, which is revived. Every believer has a spirit which has been revived or made alive. It means we are aware of God now. So he wants to give us something uh, spiritual. Also, what does it mean, the spiritual? It means that uh, 
the word we speak, what we do, is uh, from God and not from us. In a sense that the, the pastor or, or the, the teacher doesn't have to go through the same thing as you go through in order to be able to to give a, to give advice or help or answer. <clears throat> I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, imagine you have a you have a pastor uh, who leads a group, okay? And in that group you have someone who has a problem with alcohol. And now the pastor is led by God, the Holy Spirit, to preach the word, to teach, to reveal the character of God. And the person can say, well, you cannot help me because you never had the same problem. You don't understand my need, you don't understand my problem. How can a pastor who is not alcohol addicted can help a person who is alcohol addicted? Well, on a natural level, it's very difficult. That's why you have these people who study addictions and schools and psychological schools because they want to help the people. Uh, but we give a spiritual advice. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, it says here, speaking about Jesus, The Lord has given me tongue of the learned, tongue of somebody who is learned, who has studied, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary, who is in problems. And he, wake, he, he wakes up morning by morning, He wakes up my ear to hear. So here's the principle. God opens our ear. Early morning or in the afternoon, doesn't matter, but this is like the day starts early morning. So when we wake up, we open our ear and we listen to God. We take advice from God and He teaches us. He wakes up our ear and we learn from Him. That we would have a tongue of the learned and we would know <clears throat> how to speak and what to speak and in which season this is very important you know yeah in season in which time because you can have a good advice but you may say it in the wrong timing you know like really wrong timing imagine somebody is running on a bus He is jumping into the bus and you want to give him advice. Well, it's the wrong timing. The door closed and he's gone. He doesn't have time to listen. Or, <clears throat> or in his psychical state, you have to know the timing. When to say, what to say. You know, the timing is important also. So the science is trying to find out the natural ways how to understand people and how to help them. But spiritual man or spiritual woman, they have a leading of God, how to do it. This is amazing. That's why a pastor can give advice to an alcoholic man, even though he has, for example, no experience of the alcoholism. 
he can give advice or healing to a man who is on drugs even though he has no experience with drugs for example you know somebody can say well how can you give advice when you never took a dope when you never took a pill when you were never on the needle you don't know the cravings of the body how can you give advice well our advice is spiritual and it has a power spoke about it on Sunday, you know, the simplicity of the gospel has a power to bring freedom to those who are bound in Luke 4. Uh, the pastor can give advice to a person who is married, even though maybe he's single. Well, we can see this simply, Jesus was single, he wasn't married, and he was teaching. He was speaking with Pharisees about marriage and nobody questioned his authority because the authority is not based on experience. We don't draw from experience, we draw from God. And then as we draw from God, then we can add our experience of the character of God in situations. So here is a, a very important principle of the open ear, or we can say trained ear. We have to learn how to listen. In the Leviticus uh, chapter 8, there is a story of the priest and how he was placed into the service how the priest was serving. Leviticus 8, 23, it says, they slew the ram, uh, Koza, they slew the ram, and Moses took the blood of it and put it on, on the tip of the Aaron's ear. So Moses took the blood and he put it on the ear of the Aaron. Then it says, and he put the blood also on his right hand on the thumb and also on the toe of his leg, of his feet. What does it mean? Here is a sacrifice for sin. And Bible in this picture language teaches us that we have to listen through the blood. We have to listen through the finished work. We have to listen through what happened already on the cross. This is how the priest, or in this case, somebody who is speaking to people, representing God to people, leader, Voja, right? Voja? Some Voja, some leader. And again, leader of the family, leader of the group. He has to listen through the blood. He has to do things. Doing, hand speaks about doing, we do things. And he has to walk. Feet are about the walk. He has to walk through the thinking in the blood. It means everything I hear, do, and places I go, I have to understand the finished work of the cross that Jesus died for me. I have to listen God through the blood, through the sacrifice. Because simply, this is the gospel. The ram, the lamb was killed I may live. My sins go on him and I am forgiven. 
this is how I have to hear. And then I see things differently. Then I do things differently. Then my walk is different. We spoke before we started here about this principle that the unbelievers, they are driven by emptiness. They have a hole in the heart. They are empty. And because they are empty, they want to fulfill it. They look for fulfillment in drugs, in alcohol, in women, in, in work. They look for fulfillment. So they do things, but they are never fulfilled. But the Christian, he is already fulfilled. And Psalm 23 says that my cup runs over. From this fullness, we give to others. So we are not driven by a need. Well, I need this and that's why I will do this. No, we are, we are motivated by fullness, by love of God. I am fulfilled, I am forgiven. Now I can serve God. Now I can walk in faith. And we, we listen through blood. Well, this same principle is repeated a few times in the scriptures. This one is easy to remember. Leviticus 14, chapter 14, verse 14. And it says here, there's a purification of a leper. How is the leper purified in the Old Testament? Uh, leper, leprosy, it's a sickness. When your skin is coming off, you know, your ears, nose, everything is falling down. And it represents, it's a picture of sin. So how do you cleanse the sinner in the Old Testament? The same principle. Leviticus 14, verse 14. And the priest shall take of the blood of the trespass offering or the sin offering. And the priest shall put it on the ear of him that is to be cleansed, the ear of the sinner on his palm, on the hand, and on his foot. Basically, he says, you have sinned, but here is a sacrifice, a bloody sacrifice. And now listen, the blood cleanses your ear, your listening, cleanses your work and your walk. It means don't again listen these attacks from the past, like you are nobody, like you made a sin, you destroyed everything, you, you, you don't deserve like good gifts from God because you are such a bad person. Don't listen to this anymore. There's the blood of, blood of land, blood of land. We have to listen through the blood of land. You know, our friends may say you are nobody, but God says you are amazing. Our friends may say, well, you, you don't even have a school finished. God says, no, you are complete. You know, our friends or the world may say, I don't know, something bad about us. Or for example, you don't belong to nowhere. You have no place where you belong. Like your mother uh, left you, father left you, you are alone, you have no friends. But God says you are accepted in the beloved in Jesus. You are mine. And in a song of Solomon, there is this talk of this Shulamite woman and the king. And she realizes, and she says, I am his 
and he is mine. It is amazing that we realize that we belong to God. I am his and he is mine. There's a great relationship. The Lord spoke about it in the car. We have to grow in a personal relationship. You know, that's very important. God calls us into this <coughs> fellowship. Uh, John chapter 5. There's a great picture of spiritual gift or let's say spiritual advice. Okay. I'll show you difference between natural and spiritual advice. John 5 verse 5. And there was a certain man who had a infirmity or sickness 38 years. He was laying by the pool and he was crippled, he couldn't walk. 38 years he was laying, not able to walk. Verse 6. And when Jesus saw him laying there, he said unto him, Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made do you want to get healed? That was the question. The impotent man answered, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. So he says, I cannot walk. I cannot get into these healing waters. What can I do? You know, what would be the help, the natural help? Let's, let's analyze the situation. It's a young man. He has been sick for laying for 38 years. It's a long time. It's whole life. He could not do anything. So the situation is serious. It didn't happen yesterday. It's been a whole life. He is laying there. He cannot walk. We have to get him into the water. And you start to make a natural program, analyzing how to help him. There's a lot of worldly organizations, a lot of organizations in the world. They try to help. They try to help the poor Africa, the, the poor continent. And they send, you know, like clothing and food. It's good. We do it also. We also help we can this way but that's not that's not the real thing what did Jesus do verse 8 Jesus said unto him raise or stand up take your bed and walk this is, this is we spoke about it already once this is shocking somebody could say Jesus don't you understand this man he cannot walk why do you tell him get up and walk but that's the point. Our advice is spiritual. It's from above. It's from heaven. It's not natural. You know, uh, we Sorry, what is the problem? The advice. You know, we have open ear, we listen God, and God gives advice. It's not on a natural level. What I see, I give advice. No, we say and we help with what we hear from God. God reveals his character and his, his ideas from scripture. Somebody could say, Jesus, you are so insensitive. How can you tell this man, get up, when he is not able? He was laying for 38 years. Jesus, don't you understand him? You are not a good leader, Jesus. How can you give this advice? 
By the way, have you ever been sick laying in the bed? You have no experience with this type of sickness. We don't want you, Jesus. That's one approach. Or another one is, well, maybe he's right. Maybe he knows what he says. And maybe I can, by faith, obey him. And I'll be healed. You know, sometimes at the pastor's counseling, when you give some counsel, either from the pulpit or uh, in privacy, one-on-one, people want to listen and hear just natural advice. People want to come and say, hey, I have a problems with alcohol. I hope you understand. Well, we understand the situation, the seriousness, but there's always some help from God. Depression, for example. Uh, there are different kinds of depression. But the, but the very root of depression is a, is a selfishness. Because the person is focused on himself. There's this word self, self, me, me. You know, you wake up and you don't know what to do. You are without the hope. You are so empty. You are so alone. You are without direction. You know, your soul goes deep. It's like a psalmist who says uh, that his soul uh, cleaves to the dust. You know, our soul, human soul, has a capacity to cleave to the dust. Was the dust? We are made out of dust. You know, our body is made out of dust. It's a natural. Our soul cleaves to the things which are natural, normal. But the spirit gives life. We need spiritual advice. It's a very good one. We are. Uh, we call it trichotomus, three parts. We are body, that's what you see. We have a soul and we have a spirit. We have three parts. And the spirit, an unbeliever, he is sleeping. You remember when, when God uh, said in Genesis, the day when you eat from the tree, you die, to Adam and Eve, they ate, they didn't die. How come? The spirit died. The spirit died, exactly. The connection with God died. You know, through spirit, we are aware of God. So the spirit died, the connection with God died. And that's why the whole humanity today is without God. That's why we have to come back to the Word of God, be touched by the Holy Spirit, and be born again or revived. And then our eyes open and we are like, I didn't see it, now I see God. I see His character and we are learning it. We get, we get reconnected. So we need this spiritual advice uh, to get healed. And sometimes it may look that the spiritual advice is, let's say, insensitive. As Jesus said to this crippled man, get up and walk. You know, but we see advice of the scriptures through the Spirit and it empowers us because this advice has a power in itself to give us the freedom. Jesus would not say it to the man if he wouldn't be able to do it. 
He empowered him. He made a miracle. You know? So we come to the scripture and we learn from the Bible. The Bible speaks to us and gives us advices. And we, we, it speaks to our spirit. It has a spiritual advice. And it goes beyond what is natural. Simple example. You may have a person who in the natural, he has a fear, he cannot speak, and he is afraid of people. It's a natural makeup of some man. Basically, it's a makeup of, of, of most of the men in the world. In our nature, we men, sometimes we fear of a public speaking, you know, we fear we say something wrong, we have different ideas. What is the spiritual advice? You know, doesn't the Bible says, like, learn of me, for I am meek and humble. And then it also says, learn of me. Uh, Jesus says, learn of me. And then it says, it can take a man and make him a missionary or a preacher or a teacher. You know, the word of God is not limited by our natural makeup. It gives spiritual advice and spiritual provision. Because in the natural we can say, I cannot do it. But God is not looking for those who are able, but God is looking for those who are available. You don't have to be able to serve God. You have to be available. This is really amazing. So, <clears throat> that's why we look for spiritual advice, not the natural human wisdom. Back to Romans as we continue. Romans 1, now uh, the verse 12. <clears throat> we come together that we would get some spiritual gift, spiritual advice in verse 12 which is that we may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Just simply, this is a difficult sentence. Simply, Paul is saying, I will be encouraged by seeing you. You know, the Paul, the Apostle Paul, is not coming with his high attitude saying I'm coming and I will teach you and you will listen to me and I'm the teacher maybe you've been to some university and you have some professors and when they walk on the hallway that's authority goes you have to move on the way you know and he's the teacher and you cannot say nothing I don't say all but some but here Paul says something else he says I'm coming to give you something spiritual And by the way, when I see you, I will be so enriched. Because he understands that we are all brothers. We have been bought with the blood of God. We have the same father. We are the same family. And he knows he can learn from a brother. We learn from each other. The same way I, when I see like you, you, you know, like other people when we get it together it's so rich fellowship we learn so much from each other so amazing somebody says hey I prayed and God answered somebody will say well I prayed and he didn't answer 
Well, it can also happen. Because God has different way. Well, well, we learn. Tell me more. I want to hear. What did you read today? Thank you. Which, which class did you listen today? Thank you. It made me joyful. We can fellowship. You know, like your part in the fellowship is so great, so amazing. The school in the world, students usually come and learn from the teacher. That's it. In the church, we learn from each other. Even the teacher, when he is humble, he can learn from his students. Because we are representing Christ all of us. It's so beautiful. And actually, uh, Paul says in the Philippians chapter 4 that uh, the people are, are a crown of his joy. You know, once we are in heaven, we will receive different crowns. You'll receive crown of glory, crown of rejoicing, uh, and Philippians 4 1 speaks about it. And he connects this crown of joy with the people. He speaks to church and he says, you are my crown of joy. And I can imagine, like imagine we are in heaven one day. <clears throat> and we are there like thousand years, ten thousand years. We'll be there forever with Jesus. And then you will look at like me or Milos or and you will look at us and you will say, it's amazing. We are in heaven. I remember those days in, in a cafe, how we studied the Bible. I remember. You, you guys, you are joy. You know, we will have these sweet memories of the fellowship around Jesus. Or imagine this way, Jesus will come, he will be talking, you know, because we know each other. Jesus will come, he will hang out here, he will say, hey, you guys, you are amazing. I remember those days when you are meeting around my Bible. And he will say, oh, you remember? You were there? And he will say, yes, I was there. I was there with you guys. We will joy. We will be joyful from each other. Just seeing the faces of each other. This is like something. It's so beautiful. Verse 13. And then he says, so we are enriched by faith of you and me. And now I would not have you ignorant, brother, how, how many times I was planning to come to you. But I wasn't able. I was hindered. And I wanted to come that I may have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Verse 13. So he basically says, rise then. I really want to come, I wanted to come, I wasn't able to come, uh, there were some hindrances many times. Did it ever happen to you when you want to do something for God, that there is opposition? For example, you go somewhere and then your car breaks, you know, like, or you are supposed to buy a ticket and you don't have the money. You know, like there may be some different kinds of oppositions. It happens. Because there are forces behind in this world which don't want Christians to, to fellowship in the world. You know, the best picture is 
you you go sleep and you cannot sleep you know like you're just laying in the bed and you really cannot fall asleep so you start to read the bible and you fall asleep immediately as you start to read it you know it's a supernatural you know the flesh gives you hard time and you cannot sleep or when you open the bible and you want to learn from god your flesh says oh let's go rather sleep i don't like the bible it's funny. So they are like. Uh, it's a joke, especially uh, when you read uh, those genealogies, long yeah. genealogies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially when we read long genealogies in the Bible. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there are sometimes hindrances. That's why we pray for each other. Uh, prayer is important. And by the way, uh, prayer is one of the uh, good good indications against this wrong teaching, which is called uh, Calvinism. Uh, when we stress out this hyper-Calvinism and their wrong teaching on predestination, there are some uh, groups which teach that. Uh, there is a grace of God which comes and uh, it's a grace of God which you cannot reject and refuse uh, it's irresistible grace of God they call it irresistible you cannot resist it and this teaching makes from a Christian robots and they say that God predestined everything it means he decided who will go to heaven and the rest he just left we know that this gives a bad light on the character of God and we know that this wrong teaching goes against such a thing as prayer because then why would we pray if God decided you know then it brings uh, it goes against the free will because we have a free will we can decide and reject this teaching also <clears throat> goes against the responsibility because we are responsible for our actions and behavior you know if you steal something you are responsible well they say you are not because God decided who will be the bad guy and who will be the good guy I'm just mentioning it because we have a Bible class and <clears throat> we want to also touch these uh, doctrines that we know what's around by the way, these churches are here in Serbia. Uh, I came across of them, I met with them. So, uh, just that we know about it. You know, uh, Not everybody who calls himself Christian uh, has a pure doctrine in the biblical teaching. You know, there are like <coughs> some different doctrines sometimes. We mentioned hyper-Calvinism, now uh, Miller asked about hyper-grace also. Hyper-grace is uh, another wrong teaching. Uh, <clears throat> I personally believe it's, a, it's, a, it's a, another form of Calvinism. 
because what they basically say is that we are complete Christians, which is which is truth in a sense that we are complete in Him. Teleo, uh, we are comp- uh, Colossians 2:10. We as the Christians are complete, but in Him, in Jesus, you know, we are in Jesus. In Him, we are complete. That's our complete position. That's our perfectness, and that's how God sees us in Jesus. By faith, we are in Jesus. So when God looks at us, we are in Jesus. The problem is, they take it so far that they say that since we are believers, we are already complete now on earth, and they go to this teaching that we should not mention sin, not to offend anybody. It goes into psychology, and they start to teach that if you would mention sin, and you would say somebody, you are smoking, you are a sinner, or you are living with a with a woman, which woman which is not your wife, you are a sinner. Well, they say you would reinforce the sin because if you think about sin, you will think about it more, and he will never get free from it. Yeah, which which is exactly which is wrong because the Bible says that we get convicted and we repent, which is metanoia. It means change of mind. We change our thinking on a, on a topic on a subject, and we say, "Oh, I was wrong. I was living in sin. I need help. I need deliverance." Okay, this teaching actually uh, goes so far. That sometimes it's called in the old days it was already existing uh, first John is teaching about it it was called anti nominalism against the law because they were teaching that since you are you are a new believer and usually they quote Romans 720 among some other verses 720 it says now If I do what I, what I didn't want to do, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Paul says this verse. You know, he says, I found this interesting law in me. I want to do something, but I do something else. It's strange. And then he comes to conclusion, since I'm believer, I'm a new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17, I'm new creation. If I do bad things, it's not me, but the sin in me, which is good understanding of the truth. But he still takes responsibility for his actions. He knows he shouldn't be doing it, and that the new man, the the last Adam, should be ruling over the first Adam, the old man. But these people, which teach antinomianism or hypergrace, they say, "Well, there's the sin in me. I'm not responsible for it. It wasn't me." So basically, if I mock it a little bit, they steal something and they say, "Well, it wasn't me. It was the sin in me." They can, they can live like hell. They can go to party in the evening, and in the morning they say, "Well, yeah, I was there. I was partying, but it wasn't me." was the old me and I'm not responsible for it you know so this this is this is this is where it leads this hyper grace is full of strange ideas which like sound uh, 
great, but they are taking too far. You know, with this perfection, and again, I say it's a form of Calvinism. With this perfection, for example, they say that uh, we are complete in Him, we are perfect, and uh, it's all grace. Okay? It's never by works. So, if everything is by grace, we don't have to pray to God. Because if you pray and God answers, He is answering on the work. So don't pray because it's all grace. This is what they teach. They also teach that there is no confession, no need for confession. Since we are at peace with God, you don't have to confess because it was the old man, not you. It wasn't you who sinned, so why would you confess somebody else's sins? So they actually take this grace truth into hyper level, which is not true. Jasno da vidimo da očigledno Bog nam je ostavio telesnog čoveka tu grešnu prirodu i dalje na fizičkom nivou. Očigledno to sa nekom svrhom. Yes, we have a still ocean nature. Znači vjerojatno nešto još učimo, nešto ima da naučimo. Exactly. We are still learning, we are not complete. We are complete in Him. It's our position, but in our experience, we have to learn, we have to be transformed. You know, basically, we have a position, Bible says that we are seated in heaven together with Him, but in our experience, we are not there yet. Okay, we are there, but we are not. So our experience should match our position and that's where we are growing to, you know, in our daily walk. <clears throat> so that was a very good question. Well, this has... Okay, uh, how we grow, it has nothing to do with our salvation. Because we know that we are saved by grace through faith. Basically, we recognize we are sinners, we recognize He is the Redeemer who paid for us and we receive His payment. That's it. Question is, have we been bought with His blood? That's the payment. When you buy something, you pay for it. Have you been... Has there been made payment for you by the blood? Yes, by Jesus on the cross. Have you received this payment? Yes, by faith, I have. So it's paid in full. Nothing else needs to be added. And now we only grow in our experience of our fellowship with Him. We either fellowship with Him or not, but we are redeemed. We are the redeemed ones already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we if we stop this uh, growing, 
we lose many things. First, and this is the most important, we lose the fellowship of God. Let's make a picture. You get married. You enter the marriage and you are in the marriage. You are married. You have a ring which signifies the contract. Okay? Uh, when you are bought with the blood of Jesus, you enter family. The same principle. The blood signifies the contract. Now, how do you live in the marriage? You can have a quality marriage or a bad one, but you are still in the marriage. It's the same with our father. We have a good relationships with him or not. So the, the, the biggest thing we lose is the quality of our relationship with the father. You know, maybe you can look back in your mind and say, hey, I had a great time with my father when he was throwing me up in the air and when he was tickling me and and then you remember but I had times when I didn't have good time with father and you are sorry for it you miss it you know uh, <clears throat> then based on the quality of this we lose the quality of our life here because if we do not hear from our father what he tells us we do our own things to our hurt it's like your father says, do not go on a red light or you will get hit by the car. Well, if we don't listen to the father, we will, we will hurt ourselves. And then the last, maybe not last point, but what I remember now, is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we lose rewards. You know, in heaven we will have a reward for how we walked here. So there may be people who will get to heaven they will be surprised and they will have just little rewards. Everything else will burn. Because it was done in the energy of the flesh, the energy of the soul. Maybe it was done out of the knee, not out of fullness. It was done for God but without God. It was done based on the scripture but not in the love of God and grace of God. So these things doesn't count. It's like, if we are at the table and you order coffee and the guy comes and gives it to you nicely, you know, hey guys, have a great day, or he comes and he says, here's a coffee. You know, like, why is he doing this? It's like, it doesn't count if he slams the coffee on the table. He gave you coffee, but it makes you angry. So some people serve with God, without God, and their service is like terrible because it's done in the energy of flesh with a bad attitude. So then we then we lose the rewards. And one of the rewards we said uh, Philippians for one is the people. Imagine you walk with God, the people get saved. And again, one day you are in heaven and you see somebody. And you say, I remember. He was going to hell. And then he heard the message. And then he started to come to Bible school. He started to come to our church. And he's now in heaven. It's a, such a joy. I imagine you lose this reward. It's very sad. So the rewards are important also. You know, not to lose our rewards. 
course we will lose some. <clears throat> but God is gracious, we live by grace and mercy, we are forgiven. Uh, Psalm 53, I think verse 8 or 9, uh, uh, King David sinned badly, uh, many people died because of him. Uh, there was, I think, 80 priests who were uh, killed because of him. And then he comes in the Psalm 53, verse 8, and he says, God, renew uh, renew my emotions. You know, renew my broken bones. Give me joy back again. Give me joy. Uh, so we do not live in past. Things happened, but it's all covered by the blood. And he can come to God and he can say, I have a new life. Give me joy again. Renew my broken bones. Give me hope. Give me, give me your leading. Give me your spiritual advice. Give me your spiritual advice. We have a blood on the ear. We have a blood on the hand. We have a blood on the toe. We walk in understanding of the cross. And uh, next time uh, we will come into the verse. 13 where we will speak about Gentiles. I have a good portion about Gentiles here So I'm looking for next class also God bless you Amen